Welcome back to the Broadway Block, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to go over last week's games. We split the series with the Canes, and we ended up having Halak and Net against the Panthers. Steve, what did you like about the games? What do you think we need to work on going forward? Kind of felt like that little mini series we had against the Penguins. It's like, you know, it's not an early possible playoff matchup, minus the Devils being able to take the Canes. It doesn't look like we're going to play them in the first round. But it definitely felt like a playoff series in that regard. And they were definitely really close games, obviously, splitting the series. It felt to me like over the Panthers game in the last Hurricanes game that the kids were really shining. So it's nice to see that. Patrick Kane mentioned in the post-game interview that it kind of reminded him of the Blackhawks teams that made those deep playoff runs and eventual Stanley Cup winners is that it's always kind of like a next man up mentality and that you always really need that depth and secondary scoring to start to shine. So it's kind of cool to see it all click for them. And I think as far as my memory, this is the first time that I've seen all three of the kids um, score a goal and an assist in the same game and kind of lead the charge as far as offense is concerned. So that was really nice to see. They were the benefactors of some strong play. They were going to the net. And, yeah, there's some lucky bounces, like the one that Kane shot and just kind of bounced off somebody. But I think that's the reward you get for kind of, like, always driving the puck deep and, and making those good efforts. So it was a good effort, in my opinion. We we needed somebody that actually has puck luck on their side. And Patty Kane is a guy who has some puck luck. Also, like, it's kind of nice watching Patty Kane take an interview because it's even like a seasoned vet taking the interview. I watched that interview where he was like, you know, these Blackhawks teams that made the runs going forward, they had the depth. And kind of like what you mentioned there with the kids line, they really bailed us out twice. I kind of felt like we, even though we scored first in the first Canes game at home, like we were kind of flat. Like they had more shots than us. And I didn't know if it had to do something with like, you know, those like, back-to-back shutout wins where we like scored like over five like you know but it was interesting to see the kids really like take another step forward right before the playoffs and you mentioned that they had never had a game where they all scored and had an assist the only time I heard Sam and Joe mention it they did have a game previous in the year where they all scored but they weren't on the same line together but it was just great to see and like even in that first Tuesday game against the Canes Kako had a goal and it, like they kept us in that game like I said I felt like we were the big guns were kind of falling flat and that's something Patrick Kane mentioned in that interview that like you know that's it's time for other people to step up you can't always rely on Panarin Kreider and Zibanejad. So that was great to see. Um, another point I wanted to bring up, Igor, you know, I was really disappointed, me and my fantasy team, disappointed Igor didn't get the start against the Panthers. That really made no sense to me, especially since we have the Blue Jackets Tuesday, Devs, um, Sabres, and then the Caps, you know? So, like, I would just assume that he would have gotten that one and then Halak would have gotten the revenge game on the Blue Jackets from the beginning of the year. That still irks me. So Igor is at 33 wins. Linus Olmark, 36. It's quietly not talked about very much, but, you know, it's definitely a different atmosphere when you have two number ones, you know, having Swayman there. That definitely helps out. Like, you know, Olmark gets the rest. We saw the struggles Halak had earlier this year. Maybe that pressured Igor we've mentioned previously. So Igor, you know, getting ready for playoff, Igor. 
yeah, he certainly seems to be making a return to the presence that we're familiar with, um, with having him in net. And I think that, that you're right. It's a weird call to start Halak. Yeah, he gets the win. Uh, but the Panthers came out charging and we kind of looked like, you know, early on that it was going to be a poor decision. And we fell behind early in the Canes game. It's kind of very Rangers, I feel like, how the way we've been playing lately is just like, you know, yeah, the no quit thing. But it, it it's like we talked about with Snags. It's like we almost feel like we have to be behind in the game to have a purpose to be there. Like yeah, we scored uh, first in the first week or yeah, first Canes game and then we didn't let finish. Then this one, we we're down two goals. Boom, we come back. Yeah. And and it's always the same, you know, it's always buzzwords. It's always things that you hear on the broadcast, but it's playing a full 60, right? Like we've seen this team have really strong efforts um, in 45 minute games, but we we really haven't seen many of those full 60 minute games. And it kind of, to your point, I think it was a weird call to not play Igor, but Halak certainly needed to, I think, get an appearance because coming down the stretch, you know, there's only nine games left. How many chances is Halak really going to be in there? And, not that you need him warm by playoff time, but, you know, God forbid anything terrible happens and we actually need to play him. It would be nice to know that we have somebody that we can. He had the Blue Jackets and the Sabres coming up because yeah. it's a back-to-back game from Thursday. Devs, Igor would have gotten it after that. Sabres, Halak would have gotten that game. Caps, yeah. Igor, Sunday. Yeah, and then, you know, when you think about it, the Sabres are kind of in a similar position to the Panthers. Like, you know, they're, they're hungry. Essentially a string of wins to perhaps going to last spot, although it looks a lot more of a long shot for the Sabres. They're still playing meaningful hockey is the point. And, you know, you could bet I'm actually going to be going to the April 10th game against the Sabres, and you can bet that they're going to try to play the spoiler role. If they can't make a spot, they're going to still try to play a hard game. And, you know, it's not going to necessarily be an easy win, you know, for sure. But the Blue Jackets would have been my call if, if I was the coach putting in a backup goalie for sure. I'm hoping that, you know, we kind of like – sent the pens on their little skid you know we've shut the door on the panthers nashville only per- the things right to do is shut it on the caps and the sabers over the weekend you know right like close it down yeah it would be a sweet feeling and i feel like the the way that the schedule is you know boiled down in these last like 20 or so games has been really weird uh, but it is kind of fitting for what we're doing and you know making that deep Playoff pushes, I think, the goal, obviously, for and what the fans expect at this point. But being able to kind of play the play the joke on on all these teams that have made it difficult on us in the past to get points on the stretch because it's such a unique feeling, right? Like we're so used to trying to pinch out these last few games, or like if we go seven and three, we can make it in. But that's the conversation that other teams are having, as far as like you know, the Caps are basically a wash at this point. I think it's going to come down to the Penguins and minus anything in the. Atlantic division falling out. It looks like, you know, that's going to be a really long shot for, for the Cavs. I think they have to go like eight and two or something like that. Yeah. They're at 76 points, but I think the Sabres are like somewhere in the like mid seventies too. So that would be interesting. It's going to be a toss up, but the point is like the Penguins could still fall. I mean, they, they still have to play like good hockey in other words to make it in. And the conversation is fun because like, when are we talking about the Caps and the Penguins maybe not making the playoffs and the Rangers having a, a lock on the spot and, and a clinch spot? So it's cool to be having like the narrative flipped a little bit. And if one of them falls out, this is going to be the first time in you know almost 10 years that that's ever happened. So, Well, and then you got to think like it's just the turning of the ages, like the kids are scoring now and stuff like even on our own team. Two worrisome points that I wanted to talk about, the first one being – Lindgren came back for that first 
game, but he didn't look ready. He took a couple hits that like made you be, even feel bad. You're like, you always feel bad for Lindy when he's taking hits, but they just looked like he like wasn't ready to be out there. So that, that wasn't good. Then we don't really know the status of him. Obviously Harper coming like, you know, has been good, but we really want to get Lindgren going in these nine games. So for me, I'm a little worried about that situation. I haven't heard much about him coming back this week, but you know, lots of games on the weekends. So that should be fun and hope that happens. But the other point I want to have been how atrocious is the power play? How can you have the names that you have on the power play and, you know, not even not even get one shot off last game we had one power play we didn't even get a shot off yeah i mean like it's funny because the top two lines score against the canes right and then fox is the benefactor of a great pass from panarin which it's like you have the same lines out there that you do for your top line as you do for the power play and somehow we're scoring those goals at even strength and not when we have a man advantage so it's like, what's the problem? And it, it certainly seems to be sort of what you said about shooting more. But again, it feels like it's super easy to defend. You just kind of create the little box. You wait for the puck to get to you and you just chip it down the ice. So it's a weird thing. It almost feels like a perfect time to get up and grab a drink from the fridge because it's not, yeah. it's not a <laughs> yeah, fun but experience. I, I want to be celebrating when I grab right, my drink right. from the fridge. But it's something I found interesting that – here we are worrying about the power play and it's like face-offs are fine. Like we're winning them in the, in the the offensive zone when we're like on the power play, but we're not scoring. And I hate to be, I think of Avery all the time when it's like, yeah, you don't want to be that guy saying shoot score, like, you know, but they're really not like the opportunities there. Like that you, like you said, the five on three whiff was, I'm still like miserable about it. Like, you know, thinking about that, that worries me going into the playoffs. Like, you know, Sure. Five on three, not scoring. That's super upsetting. And it's hard to see that before we go into a long playoff push. But how many opportunities are you really going to get in the playoffs to be on a five on three? Not many. And if you don't capitalize on them, those are the moments that you're going to look back on and be like, how did we blow this series? Well, I'll tell you how. And also, maybe unless it's something super egregious that they're not maybe going to even call it. So these little infractions where, you know, the puck goes over the over the glass. I mean, we saw it this year where it was clearly a deflection. And they just called it a penalty and then just moved on. And it's not. And then we all saw we all saw that one. But to your point about the power play, do you think that Gallant is leaving our like first line power play out so long? Because it's like we we look like we have so many opportunities that then those guys are gassed and that's how we get beat. Because I feel like I would like to know the stat on how many goals have we allowed on the power play? like this year against us, like, you know, it's gotta be up there, like almost double. How many shorthanded goals we've given up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it it feels weird because I remember years past where that was a threat of ours, where the PK was really good and we were scoring shorthanded a lot. And, you know, it's weird because it's not the personnel, obviously, like, you know, Adam Fox, Mika Zbanejad, it's, it has a, a way of coming down to like their tendencies. And we've mentioned it a few times that like, Mika is not very proactive on the power play. He kind of just camps in his office. As much as that's a weapon, as much as he's scored, yeah, he kind of he circles a bit, but you know, he kind of stays pretty glued to that one spot. And then Fox is on the blue line. Skating back and forth, saving the puck. Then Panarin kind of like hangs out at the top of the circle for a second. And then he skates back up to the to the blue line. You know, we saw it result in that that goal in game seven against the Penguins 
um, where he did that a few times and then just goes, all right, I'm going to shoot it. But it takes so long sometimes for them to even generate an opportunity. And we've said it before that, you know, the puck will get cleared. They'll take 30 seconds just to set up and they'll go for the same look and other teams know it's coming. I feel like and it's a lot looks of the, so slow. It's just yeah, a lot looks, of it's like just their tendencies and what they're looking for and what opportunities they're looking for. And I don't know if a personnel change really does anything without stripping it. And you can't strip it because it was basically the same unit that had it's like a positional play thing. You want to like move Panarin up and be like, all right, Fox Zabanajad fall into the Panarin side on the left over there, and then boom have Kreider maybe like shimmy back and forth a little bit, but I don't know. Yeah. And it, you know, it's weird because again, these are guys that have had extreme success. You're talking 52 goals from Kreider and, you know, Mika's quietly been at like a 40 goal pace, basically the entire season. So hit 50, I want him to hit 50 so bad. It's, I mean, 50 is probably a long shot at this point, but it's just, it's such a weird thing to, to for it to not be such a distinct advantage for us this season, for sure. Are you looking forward to going to the Buffalo game? Yeah, it should be fun. I have, I'm probably going to put Tage as an anytime goal scorer because that dude's just on a complete burner. And you got to be getting Halak, right? Like you're getting a Halak game. I, you know, I would love to see Igor, but I'm I'm not going to be picky. Just being in the garden is going to be a, a fun time. Again. I hope that you get like one of those six goal games or something, light up the saver, shut them down. Yeah, I I have a feeling that towards the end of the year, we might see some of those, you know, games where we're really poured on. I could also see it going the other way and just kind of us losing sight of what's gotten us to this to this position. So. All walking walking into the playoffs instead of skating in, like, you know. Well, all we can hope for is that they continue to play hard games because, like, you just don't want to be that team that gets steamrolled. I, I would I would take a seven-game, you know, play, tough-played series. I just don't want to roll over easy. And, and I, I would love if some of these games down the stretch were, you know, we're playing the Blue Jackets, we're playing teams that – aren't really in the conversation it would be great to kind of flex a little bit and show that you know we're here and we belong but you know just as recent as last night you're watching Colorado go to go to the shootout with Arizona so it's like this is kind of the the, the fun part of the NHL is that teams that aren't in are going to try to make the conversation difficult for the teams that are or for the teams that are trying to make a push to it so we'll see also you saw the difference of like coming out of those two back-to-back shutout games with like, you know, high scoring and then actually playing the Canes, like instead of those, like, you know, pens and then the, I feel like the Canes are like one level above where, you know, the pens in Nashville are. So like, that was great to like get some playoff atmosphere of like real hockey. Yeah. And them and the Bruins put on a great display was, you know, a really back and forth game. And it, it certainly feels like it's going to be them at some point. I would obviously hope that the Rangers are able to, to skate past the Canes. It feels like that's going to be our second round uh, matchup if if all things go according to plan. Although that would be you know a crazy third round series uh, to see those two teams play each other. So, I mean, obviously we're in for a treat regardless. I just can't wait to see what the Devils do when they get into the playoffs because you know, they've, they've kind of, I don't want to say grow on me, but they've kind of proven themselves that they belong where they're at because there was plenty of opportunity for that team to dip lower in the standings. And I think going into to the year, 
even the most diehard Devils fan would not have told you that they're going to be competing for first in the division. I think even the even the the strongest fan out there would be saying like, "Oh, we maybe we could squeak into a wild card," but like nobody saw this. I don't care who you are. I don't think anybody saw they would be making a push for the most sought after free agent this year. I don't think anybody saw that they were going to be in the conversation for best team in the Metro. And I don't think anybody saw them in the conversation of like top five team in the league. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens come playoff time. And I mean, if they can get some momentum behind them, it's going to be a really, really rough go at, you know, I'm I'm really interested to see Hughes because here's the thing. Like, Everybody compares Hughes and Kako, but like they've just had different trajectory. Like Hughes was given the keys to the Ferrari and said, here you go. Like Kako's had to work for every minute of ice time he's gotten. And like, you know, even the Devils even gave Hughes like a contract when he wasn't even ready for a contract. Like, so they got him power play one time. Like, you know, they put the line, they built the lines around him, you know, so they did the right things with him. Like, you know, by having a number one like that. but. We'll see. At playoff hockey, so different. I think Hughes is an electric player, so I think he will shine in the playoffs. But I'm hoping if we do see him round one, this is a new Rangers team, new look Rangers team. We talked about it. We've talked about who we want to play, the Canes or the Devils. I think we're going to see them both, to be honest. I think we're going to end up with the Devils, shut them down, and we'll see the Canes. And, you know, most likely we'll see the Bruins, like, unless they cool off. I saw on Sunday they were giving a lot of their players, like, bigger players, like, older ones. Bergeron set out, Marshawn, like, just some time. So we'll see if they're rested, if that hurts them, what what happens, you know? Yeah, I was reading that, too, that there were some nagging injuries. And, like, it's to be expected. Like, you know, if you have the luxury of, of benching some of those guys, you know, more power to you. I'd still kind of, I think, it could go either way. You know, I think that those are guys that would want to play regardless, but they're also guys that would probably, you know, Marshawn seems like that, but Bergeron seems like God take a night. Like, yeah, yeah. Bergeron has, I think he's only on a one year deal anyway. Like, yeah, he's seen some games, man. And then the other thing is the, the devils, you're right. We talked about it in the last episode that they haven't seen this team the way that it currently stands, but they're, They've been really tough for us all season long. We've had games that we're going to have a, another showing against them coming up, but we've had games that, you know, gone to overtime. We've had games that were really close. We've had blowout games on either side. And, you know, as recently, even as last season, there's been some challenging matchups either home or away. So I would say that, or last year rather, but I would say that at this point, it's pretty even. I would say that earlier in the season when they were on their burner and we were kind of still getting their things, our things together that it might've favored towards the devils. But I would say that that line is probably a little bit closer to even at this moment. Still a lot of hockey to play. Still a lot of hockey to go. If you count the playoffs going all the way through, that's all the way to June. Well, you're talking about, you know, Hughes on unproven, like let's talk about VTech. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's pretty unproven where like our guys have shown that they are going to come alive and, and prove to be even better players in the playoffs. So, I mean, I hate to just say, we'll see, but that's, that's really where we're at is that, you know, the not the last nine games of the season are essentially just a formality. It's crazy to think that the season's already kind of wrapping to a close on us and it's going to come down to who we play in that first round to really get some momentum. I think either way, we're going to need to get momentum in that first series. I think it would be obviously a good matchup for us to go up against the Canes, 
but that would mean that the Devils would have to take the Canes at this moment. And it doesn't look like the Canes, the Canes just keep pushing forward. Yeah, I don't know how they do it. Not. Like every night, like you think they're going to lose, they come back. They like, yeah. And I would love to see some home ice, but you know, it doesn't look like that's going to happen either. And we'll see if, if the Penguins, you know, could play the spoiler too. Cause don't forget, like we're talking about them being gassed out. We're talking about them barely squeaking in or maybe not squeaking in, but that's the thing about that team, man. That that core is they so scare really- me. They they're p- talking about the power play before. I think about the Penguins power play. I'm like, we have so many better guys than they do, but their power play just works better. So I, I'm with you on the like. It's not the guys. It's got to be like what we're putting out there. They got to try a new move, like new positions. Yeah, and and those guys have proven that they'll do what it takes, clean or not, to to win a series. So I would. I would love if somebody could have some, I don't want to say collateral damage. Obviously I'm not wishing injury on anybody, but it would be, it would be in our interest that if a team like the Penguins went up against a team, like the Devils or the Canes to, to make their go at it a little bit more tough and to kind of brace them for what's to come. Because I feel like the the Penguins are a, a perfect test. If you're one of those teams to sort of go through a long, a long trial with, it also seemed like the Canes minus Sveshnikov weren't really that different. You know, that was they really weren't. They had a good power play kill. I thought we were going to lose that second game. Yeah, they really looked like they haven't really taken their foot off the gas pedal. And that's the same thing that happened to the Devils. The same thing we were alluding to earlier that, you know, they lost Hughes for a handful of games and it really looked like, you know, now's the time to kind of capitalize it. And but they, they kept it going. And he's apparently done for the rest of the season and for the playoffs. So, it's going to be interesting to see how they shift things around, but it seems like, again, they haven't really lost their footing in that regard. So I would say nope. that the Canes are one of the one of the scarier teams because for whatever reason, and maybe this is a good time to kind of like document it, I just see the Bruins pittering out because I just don't I, I see that too. I think they're going you to get the President's Trophy curse. They can't. They, it's unsustainable, like yeah, what they yeah. have going. Well, you keep saying third round Bruins, and I'm it's like something about it. Like, and I don't know. I don't know who to say. Quote, quote, quote it. Maple Leafs knock them out and get out of the first round. Yeah, listen. Well, the Maple Leafs, it looks like, are still going to be a lock to play the Bolts. But if the winner plays the, the Bruins, that would I think the Bolts look be- better than the Bruins. I saw their game the other day. Like, the Bolts are not – like, I wouldn't want to play the Bolts in the Eastern Conference Finals again. Well, yeah, we always talk about how difficult the Metro is, but the Atlantic's going to be. I mean, like, I don't want to go through any of those other teams that get there, like, <laughs> right. except well, the, the Panthers, if they can make it. Right. But and then that's the other thing is that, like, it could be a team like that that just, like, let's say some things happen where, you know, the wild card spot is a team that barely squeaks in, like the Panthers. You know, you can insert a couple names there, but it certainly looks like that's the way it's going to break out. Imagine if the Panthers were to beat the Bruins and, and Chuck's on his game. Sam Bennett actually comes back healthy. Like good rascal. Gudis is shooting everything, hitting everybody like Bravosky. Bravosky's like a wall. Like it could happen. What's Gudis's first name again? Isn't it rascal? What is his first name? <laughs> it's Radko. Radko. <laughs> I thought it was Rascal. Rascal, Rascal Gudis. I love it. Rascal he is Gutis. a little rascal out there. He, he, he gets points. I'll hit you. You know, and the, the funny thing about the Panthers is, is we're talking about a team that they were the President's Trophy winner last year, weren't they? If I'm, if yeah, I'm but they re, they tore everything down. That's not the same team. Tuchuk's there. They don't I, but I would the argue same that coach. Tuchuk's a better. 
I would argue it's Chuck's a better. I player. agree, but it's no same coach. Like that's a, you know he's out there putting his people. Like it's a different squad. Yeah, I mean you lose out on Mackenzie Weger, but the listen, it, that team has a lot of the elements that you want, and you know I saw that the fans were chirping at Ekblad, you know, and that's what happens when you have such a great year that doesn't get followed up with that continued success, and you have this you have this feeling like you know we should be doing more and. It's a very familiar feeling if you're a Rangers fan, right? So it's like you can kind of empathize a little bit, but they're um, they're in a weird position, I'm sure. I think but- another another hot take. I think the Oilers like they just don't get that. Like you can have McDavid and Drysaitel, but if you don't get I, Stuart Skinner's not the guy, and Campbell's not the guy either. Like they don't solidify the back. And then they got problems. They're going to have problems. That's why they have to outshoot everybody. Imagine if they could just cut the other team's goals in half. They'd win everything. You know what's crazy? And I said this a while ago. But I feel like there's this weird distinction in the NHL about are we going to go all in on goaltending or are we just going to get somebody who can just like be serviceable? Or, for yeah, like just fill in that. $2 million. And what's crazy to me is that like there's still teams that do it. And year after year, it just proves to be like, an okay strategy to like just get somebody who stops a decent amount of pucks. We're seeing a lot more of those contracts, like right in the middle, middle ground of like four to 5 million and less of people kind of like super investing into their goalies. And I'd like to see the stat every, for every goalie that's played 10 years with the same team, how many cups did they win? If you look at the rest of the league, like Igor needs to be paid, you know, and his contract's looking pretty team friendly at the moment. And it's weird to think that we're that going to be that team that kind of goes all in on their goaltending, but I would hate to be one of those teams in the league that just don't have a reliable starter. Like, look at what Boston's got going. They got two number ones. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what would happen if a guy like Igor played for the Bruins. It I never lines like, up like that. Yeah, well, that's that's the point. Is that like you can't get you can't have it all. You can't just like build this crazy team on the front end and then. You know, they're going to probably lose one of those guys come offseason also. But to, to your point, the Oilers. They got to get like someone they, mid-tier, not like low-tier, mid-tier sure. at least, higher end. Yeah, because they're just going to keep being like a second-round fallout type of team. But can't wait for the playoffs to start for sure. Three, what do we got, two and a half weeks, three weeks? Let's go Rangers. 